0: field backing up onto the warning track Quan can't get it. it's off the top of the fence Weimer's gonna come in and score Miller slides in safely and the Brewers have the lead
1: this is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports Packers Brewers Badgers Bucks the Wisco Sports Show is on the air now here's your host Grant Bills
2: I waste a lot of time on Twitter and even on TikTok and I normally don't go on TikTok but sometimes the content is too good because I was obsessed with this uh Ocean Gate sub catastrophe right I I talked to her off about this a couple times last week and for that I I apologize slightly I apologize a little this is a story everyone was following for like three or four days and it really helped pass the time at work last week didn't it I mean it got us through the work week So this weekend, I was a little busy. I had a wedding and I was seeing a lot of people. So I wasn't online a whole lot. And I realized yesterday, I realized Saturday night. I don't remember exactly when I realized there was a coup or an attempted coup in Russia between a military group called uh, Wagner. Wagner (laughs) who's Mo Wagner is who leads it. Yeah, (laughs) the Michigan guy, (laughs) the guy who Yanis hates. There was an attempted coup. Of Vladimir Putin in Russia? And I guess it's over already. It's done. It, it came and pad, They struck a deal like the PGA and live. I, I don't know. It's done. It's over with. And honestly, I'm pissed. Not because I want Vladimir Putin to be overthrown in Russia. I don't really know much about him. And I don't really know much about the Kremlin. I, I'm going to be honest. I don't even know what the Kremlin means. In in headlines where I was like, the Kremlin says, is the Kremlin like an entity? Or is that a per- is the Kremlin a person? Or is it like the Pentagon said? Like, is it? an I don't know. It I don't know that much about Russia. I'm not cheering for one side or the other here. What I would ultimately like to cheer for is if we're going to have coups and we're going to have massive things going on that take place online and we see them online. Can we do it from Monday to Friday, please? When we're all bored at work trying to <laughs> needing something to follow. Can we do the the major global media events? Can we do them Monday to Friday? Nine to five, please. Can we? It was such a, a waste of a great Twitter event. And it happened on Saturday when no one's on Twitter. Terrible. Like, uh, that would be my message. If we're going to sink a submarine or, or if we're going to try to overthrow one of the, the most powerful rulers on the globe, I, I just ask that we do it during the week so we can follow along on Twitter when we're wasting time at work. That's all. That's all I ask. I don't ask for the world. Just a little timing is all. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you had an outstanding weekend. We've not talked uh, person-to-person live since Thursday because I was off on Friday. I went home a little bit early. We had a special edition of the Wisco Sports Show, a little uh, documentary now uh, telling the true story of Paige Speronic bobblehead night. And, you know, the more I thought about it this weekend, it's just not worth it to tell a story if you're not going to start from the very beginning. Uh, and and the Page Bironic show that, that that wonderful piece of investigative journalism that we did on we did on Friday night going all the way back to the Hater trade talking about Corbin Burns' arbitration. I mean, we hit that thing from every angle. So if you miss Friday's show and you have no idea what I'm talking about, I spoke with a couple people who work with the Brewers and I put together a 30 minute documentary about Page Bironic bobblehead night, and that's up on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your shows and wherever you find your podcasts. Just search Wisco Sports Show, subscribe. I post the show every single day. Uh, and that episode, like every other episode, is available. Uh, so you can go check that out if you haven't listened to it already. I want to talk Brewers tonight. A little more a little more serious, a little more business-like Brewers discussion. They had a nice weekend, winning two of three. So uh, we're going to do that until 5.30. The Brewers are on the East Coast. They're playing the Mets. So the Brewers pregame is going to kick us off the network at 535 but I've measured it out. I've done the math. I think we can get all of our topics. I think we can discuss everything we need to discuss within an hour and a half. I want to talk Packers at about 430, 445. Elton Jenkins was on Good Morning Football this morning and made some interesting comments. Nothing controversial, but a couple of interesting comments that I want to talk about. I'm not going to try to force Packers discussion into the show every day because I think this time of year, it's, you can't do it. Especially when, when Aaron Rodgers isn't here anymore. Aaron Rodgers spoke at a psychedelics conference last week. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? If he was still on the Packers, we would have had Mike Clemens on. I would have booked someone who, who studies this stuff for a living. I would have tried to poach one of Joe Rogan's guests. We'd be breaking it down, uh, viewing the all-22 of Aaron Rodgers talking at this conference. But we got Jordan Love and, and, and a lot of players that aren't very dramatic, which is nice. But that also means we're not going to have a new Packers thing to talk about every single day. So we'll mix in Packers talk when it when it is possible and when it's interesting. And I have some things I want to talk about coming up at 4.30. 608-796-2558 if you'd like to call or text the show. You can find me on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Ed and Madison has called. And I normally don't take calls during the first segment, but when someone comes in so gung-ho, I, I kind of I feel like I... Ed, I, I want to know what you have to say. We're going to start with the Brewers, but first we, we got to talk to Ed. 608-796-2558. What's going on, Ed?
3: Well, bro, I've been trying to get through the last oh, six, seven days, and yeah. it just seems like I'm always a day late and a dollar short. So I thought, you know, I'm coming in strong tonight. That a boy. All right, I respect it. I respect it. I'm sorry you couldn't get through. It's too bad. Oh, well, you you got some pretty popular peeps that call in, and they got some interesting takes, so... I just sometimes like the one that says the team should leave, go to a Triple A farm system. Um, last week just really got me rolling, man. I was
2: Yeah, Pete's, like, oh Pete's unique in that he like he's wanting the Brewers to leave. Apparently, like like the the idea uh-huh. of Brewers relocation has been brought up, and Pete's like, hell yeah, listen, Milwaukee's more of a Triple no. A city, anyways. It's it's a it's a no, no, that Pete owns there.
3: Hell he's kind no. of by himself on that island. That's a hell to the no. Yeah, You know, I kind of look at the Milwaukee Brewers this year, and it's kind of a Forrest Gump quote. It's sort of like a box of chocolates. You just never know what you're going to get, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's been kind of like that this year. You know how you try out one game, and you're going, oh, that just that's just terrible tasting. And mm-hmm. then they come back, and you get a really sweet game like yesterday. A double play, throw out double play. How often does that happen oh. in a Brewers? game. Hardly ever the
2: strikeout, so, throw 'em out, yeah. double play to end the inning, one of the
3: best plays in yeah. sports. I gotta agree with you, man. That's like a momentum changer if you ask me. And actually I think this team has shown that they can have that momentum swing and then they can swing the other way and, and strike out a lot. Um I'm I'm pretty much on the optimistic side. I'm I'm on that ledger that you were creating a couple weeks ago. I'm, I'm not out. I'm in. I'm going to be into the final, maybe last month of the season. But really, the All-Star break will tell us if we're going to make it or break it, if we're going to sell or we're going to hold our chips and know when to fold them. I'm not ready to fold them. Little Kenny Rogers there. you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. Well, and you also cool. got to know when to
2: walk away and when to run. I mean, these are all things that are important to know.
3: Absolutely. That could be the Brewers' theme song for the year for a lot of Brewer fans. But I'm I'm basically in it for the long haul. I'm not ready to give up. And I have a really good inside source that tells me that, oh. so we won't bring up that name. And I think you already know who I'm talking about. So he's the voice of reason when it comes to the Brewers. So um, we'll leave it at that. Great to get through. Thanks for taking my call right off the bat. Yeah. Home oh, run, baby. Let's go brew crew. Take out the Mets. Yeah, the yeah. Miracle yeah. Mets.
2: Let's stick it to those coastal <laughs> elites. Appreciate you, Ed. Have a good
3: night. Yeah, exactly. Good night. Take care, brother. Take
2: care. A oh, little Kenny Rogers. Yeah, And it's funny that Ed came in and immediately referenced the trade deadline and whether the brewers were going to be buyers or sellers because I wrote in my notes and I actually bolded it. And I don't. Great. You probably bold lots of them. Oh, no, no, no. I use the bold key or, or control B. I love my hockey's. I control B very infrequently. I'm, I'm very uh, sparing with the bold key. Because if you bold everything, then what, you know, it's a, if you highlight everything, what's the point of the highlighter? I wrote down and I bolded this today. We're a few weeks past the NBA finals. This is the week we start talking buyers and sellers. <laughs> this is the week where the official buy or sell discourse begins. Because I think we've all had with a friend or with a family member or somebody, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Well, you think the brewers will be buyers or sellers this year? Because when men get together, we don't know what to talk about. You know what I mean? My, my mom or my girlfriend asked me all the time, hey, your friend Phil, what does he do? You know, the friend you talk to every other night while playing video games. Oh, Phil, he, um, he, uh, something with science, uh, he works, uh, tools. I know he uses tools and, um, and, and he, uh, part remote. Sometimes he goes to work. Um, something, yeah, something like that. Like, I don't know what my... Men, we can relate to this. We don't. We don't talk about like important real life things with you. We don't burden each other. I, I won't burden my friends by talking about my job. I don't burden my friends by talking about my real life problems. That's why men talk about sports, and we talk about the weather, and we talk about things that don't matter. We keep it light. We keep it loose. We don't burden each other by like I will not put my friend in a position to be like, oh, that sounds like you're going through a rough time. Wow. Work sounds really difficult. Wow. That sounds like a difficult thing you're dealing with. I don't, I don't put my friends in that position. So we don't have deep conversations. Instead, what men will do is get together on like May 20th over a beer and oh, how's how's work? Oh, you know, oh, my, not much changes. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. So do you think the brewers will be buyers or sellers this year? And it's, and it's May 20th. Like we we've, we've had these conversations kind of in small talk for weeks and weeks and weeks now, but we're actually getting to the point in late June, almost to July, almost to the All-Star break, will the buy or sell discourse actually get specific and it gets meaningful? And I remember a couple of weeks ago, I had a really good back and forth on the show with a caller, and I don't remember who the caller was. And they floated the idea of, you know, maybe the Brewers would trade Burns or trade another veteran, because even though the Brewers are winning and they're contending for the division... Let's be real, they're going through a little bit of a transition period because this next wave of Bryce Tarang, Sal Freelick, Joey Weimer, Garrett Mitchell, that, that's the next wave. And while the Brewers are trying to contend and trying to win games while those guys are coming up and, and making their bones in the major league, right? Some of these guys aren't gonna be here when the Brewers try to contend with with this upcoming version, this next version of the team. Right. And I remember saying at the time, there's no way the Brewers will sell a big piece the right move in 2023 who knows fast forward to the trade deadline it might make sense for the brewers to sell they won't do it there's no way they'll do it they won't do it because after last year after the josh Hader trade they can't they will be so gun shy from here on out around the trade deadline they will be so cautious the brewers could be 20 games out of the playoffs they could be 20 games behind the wild card 25 games out of the division and Matt Arnold and, and his team in the Brewers' front office would be like, well, but can we sell? Oh, but what if we come back? What if we get hot? They're going to be so gun-shy about trading off pieces for years and years and years to come, which, by the way, is what I said last year in May and in June. Everybody was bringing up, well, maybe they could trade Hater. If this team doesn't look that good. They're going to have to pay Hayter. Maybe you should trade him. And I, I screamed. I yelled into the sky. I yelled from the rooftops. That a hater trade would haunt and affect this franchise for years and years and years. It will become a meme. The hater trade would become a punchline. The hater trade would become something we never forget and we never look past. And God, I was right. And the funny thing is, I knew I was right at the time. Like, I on this show sometimes will say something and i am be like, I'm not predicting something. I'm spoiling this. I'm telling you what will happen. That was so obvious from day one. And now the Brewers order of operations and the way they proceed about certain things and handle certain parts of their roster, they're always going to be like, remember the hater trade? Oh, we can't do that again. We might get to a point this season, might, where it actually makes sense for the Brewers to sell certain pieces. The Brewers could be in a weird spot where at the trade deadline, I I might feel like the right thing is to sell one piece and buy another. Maybe the Brewers should trade a starter and add a reliever. Maybe they should add a bat but trade a pitch. This Brewers trade deadline is going to be very 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 weird and and a lot of it is because the division is so poor there's not an elite team in this division I would argue there's also not a terrible team in this division like I don't think the Cubs are terrible I don't think the Pirates are terrible the Reds obviously aren't terrible they're exciting and they're playing a lot of energy I don't think the Brewers are terrible the Cardinals are the the worst team they're the last place team in the NL Central right now and that's not a terrible team it's not that this division is awful and miserable it's It's that there's no elite team that's going to run away with it. And without an elite front-running team, the Brewers in second place or the Pirates in third or the Reds in third place, whoever would be trailing this hypothetical elite team can't say, well, we're nine games out. We're in second place, but we're nine games out, so we might as well sell off a piece. No, all of these teams are going to be in striking distance because there's no elite team to run away with the division. And because of that, all of these teams will... Have a pretty wide open mentality i think going into the trade deadline the brewers might not decide to be buyers or sellers until the 11th hour of the day of the trade deadline because the division just they're not going to be counted out this division won't count anyone out no one's going to be excluded from contending nobody's going to be out of the race because there's no elite team to really set the mark of success and and, and these gms you know, Matt Arnold and, and the other general managers around the NL Central can't look at the standings and see, oh, my team is seven games back. My team is eight games back. They're all within striking distance. I think the Brewers will simply hold. Maybe make some strategic ads. Maybe make some strategic sells But I don't think they're taking a massive leap in one direction or another. And Why don't we talk more about that? Let's take a three-minute break. Give me a text. Give me a call, 608-796-2558. I'm also on Twitter, at Grant. Let's talk more buy or sell. Brewers trade deadline. We're actually getting serious about talking about the trade deadline. This is the week. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
2: Sports Show. My name is Grant Phillips. Hope you had an awesome weekend. Brewers won two of three. We could talk about what happened with Corvin Burns yesterday. We could talk about the weekend that Willie Adamas had. Good to very bad from Friday night to Saturday and Sunday. Talk about Craig Council management of the bullpen yesterday. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Trusting you all PyOps with two innings and then going to Elvis Piguero in the tenth. Hand up. I thought that was gonna be a catastrophe. Wouldn't you know Craig Council had confidence in the guy, believed in the guy, brought him in and against the best hitters in Cleveland's lineup. The Guardians lineup. No longer the uh the I words, but the Guardians, the G words. Actually don't that's the G that's something else. 608 Six oh eight seven nine six two five five eight. Uh lawyer Dave in Madison. What's going on, Dave? Welcome.
3: Hey, good afternoon. Nice to talk to you. You as well. What's going on today? Well, you know, I don't see any pitching that they could possibly sell because I think that Whoa. Marvin Burns is a little iffy and everybody else is injured. Uh, I can't imagine they would want to sell these guys who have come up and really helped them. Miley, they couldn't get rid of Miley, they couldn't get rid of. The kid they got from the Braves has been pitching spectacularly for them. Uh, you know, so I, I can't see them selling anybody. If, hitters? Who, if, the, who <laughs> the hell would want any if, of the Brewers
2: hitters? Yeah, it's like, I, you know what, I, so, I, I drove uh, down a road past my, my parents' house the other day, and someone had put out a TV at the end of their driveway uh, that had to be, like, from the early 2000s. Remember when they were really big and boxy and heavy and someone put a sign on it that said free? That would be like the Brewers trying to sell off some of their bats. It's like, "What? No one wants that. No one is interested in in what you're trying to give away." With the bats, I agree. Now, I think Dave, I think Wade Miley is a sneaky interesting candidate to be traded away. I actually think Wade Miley might have some some value and I think he might he might fall in that perfect place of pitching very well, but doesn't cost too much and isn't a long-term commitment. I think and and sell high potential, the Brewers would be selling high based on what they paid for him when they brought him in this offseason. I actually think Wade Miley is a really sneaky interesting sell candidate if the Brewers wanted to do like a like a soft sell, you know, just give away just a little
3: bit. Pitchforks. We would all need to have pitchforks. Do you think if so?
2: They got rid of Wade Miley. For Wade Miley? Oh, come on!
3: I love Wade he's Miley. He's a friend it. of the show. But I, I, I'm just being realistic here. I, I mean, what are you going to get back in value? You're going to get back potential mm-hmm. for a guy who all year, what's is? It, I think his ERA is under three.
2: Probably. I mean, the, the only thing that's been able to beat him is is injuries, is his age, and the fact that he's you know a little bit injury prone. Look. I'm not saying they should trade Wade Miley, but look at it this way. Think of it this way, Dave. If I was the GM of another team, or if the Brewers were looking to buy, let's say the Brewers were looking to buy and they needed one more starting pitcher, Wade Miley would be just the type of player that they'd look for, right? Cheap, experienced, one-year deal, no long-term commitment at the end of the season. Hold uh, really well- your horses. Okay, okay, okay. All your horses. Okay.
3: Isn't he their only lefty starter well, yeah. with Lauer and the Miners? Yeah, I mean, it would
2: hurt the Brewers a lot, but I guess if, if the Brewers are selling, the idea is that they don't really care about the season anyways, which is why Wade Miley would be the perfect trade kid. I agree. He's really good. They need him. But then again, the Brewers yeah. needed Josh they, Hader they, last year, too, and that didn't stop them.
3: They, they can't do it after the... Debacle with Hater last year. They just can't do it. They couldn't trade, I,
2: and this is this is my thought process. They can't trade Burns after last year. Uh, I, Wade Miley might be a little sneaky.
3: Like I don't know if people would no, get mad about no. that. Maybe they would. Not going to happen. Not okay. going to happen. In, okay. In Wonder World, maybe, but no, I don't think so. Fair. No, I think that they'll pick up a hitter, maybe a couple of hitters. Remember, the DH is still there. They're gonna. They, they'll find a hitter. I was actually surprised to see the numbers so far of the guy who got traded uh, from the Reds to, to Denver, to Mike, the Colorado. Mike yeah, he's, he's, he was hitting 270. Was he My really? God, 270 on the Brewers. He'd be, oh, yeah. you know, top of the heap. I'm looking He'd at the lineup up tonight.
2: I uh, The Brewers put the lineup out just a couple minutes ago. This is actually maybe the best version of this team. Telez and Adamas just need to do something, Dave. If they get just anything from those guys, this team's Absolutely. pretty darn good.
3: And Yelich has been really good, Yelich. He has. I, you know, Yelich has been worth what they're paying him, actually. He's he's really led the team. So, anyway, I, I think they pick up a couple, I'll say one or two hitters. Uh, I'm a little surprised that they haven't brought... Keston, you up yet just to give him another chance. I think that could happen any day. I'm wondering if you know any more than I do, because I don't know anything, <laughs> about injured guys, injured Brewer hitters, and whether they're making their way back, whether they were minor leaguers or whether they were up. Uh, you know, who was the guy who started second base, played some shortstop really defensively? Yeah. Bryce Terrain,
2: we got an update today about Bryce Terrain. Oh, I liked it. I didn't save it. McAlvey retweeted a write-up about him. He's actually playing really well. Bryce Terrain last night won one for three with a double, an RBI, and a walk. He's on a 12-game hitting streak, and during the streak, he's batting 283, 13 for 46, with four doubles, three home runs, 15 RBIs, and seven runs.
3: So, yeah, playing really well. Well, thanks. You're my, you're my personal internet guy. That's great. <laughs> Thank you. So
2: I think maybe at some point anyway, they'll, they'll bring I mean, him back up after a little reset.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's where I see it. The the guy they you know brought up who was injured, who's played some third base, was, what was he, like 0 for 18 for a while? You yeah, know not great. I, I mean, every, everything they've tried to plug in. Now, just one thing. There are days when you are really, really down on Craig Council. Ooh. And I think... There are days when you are down on Craig Council, right? Ah, uh, am I am I mistaken?
2: Well, no, no. I mean, uh, what have you perceived? How have you perceived me to be down on Craig Council? Maybe I have been, and I and I haven't realized it. I, Craig Council is pretty bulletproof well, normally on this show, but occasionally I. That's he. my
3: view. I think he's bulletproof. And agreed. Somehow, you know, of course, they lose three to the A's, and you start to say, "What the hell's wrong? Whose fault is it?" What I would love to try to figure out, or I'd love you to figure out, Grant, and I just can't figure it out, okay. the the poor, poor hitting year after year. It really has been anemic. Is it is it the guys they draft, the guys they trade for? So is it GM stuff? Is it hitting coach stuff? Is it teaching in the minor leagues? What the heck is it that? They could be so bad for so long.
2: Well, I think I can give you my answer. It'll be a broad answer. I'll, I'll attack her from a lot of angles, but I think I can give you an answer, David. But I'm going to let you go in the meantime, and I will uh, I will answer once you're Let me go. I'm happy there? to listen to you, and
3: thank you, sir. Yeah, of course.
2: Lawyer David Madison. Thank you. Great friend of the show. Appreciate you. I don't think I'm – I think – so you referenced the Athletic Series against Oakland. I was kind of pissy at Craig Council after that series. you there was like one day. You're right, you got me. Hand up. There's like one day where I was angry at council, and it was the day after they got swept by the athletics. Because sometimes I think the council's greatest strength, which is thinking two days ahead, thinking three days ahead, keeping guys healthy, keeping guys fresh, keeping guys, you know, available all season long. I think that's his greatest strength, but it can also be his greatest weakness in that there's a certain uh nonchalantness during that series where, where like the team loses night one. It's like, okay, it's a long series. It's a lot of baseball, you know, weird sport. And then they lose the second night. Oh, whatever. That's baseball. It'll happen. And then they got to like the seventh inning of that Sunday game. And it's like, they woke up all of a sudden and realized that they were about to get swept by the worst team in baseball. And they started trying and they actually put the bat on the ball the last couple of innings. It was just too little, too late. So I I think there is a little bit, there was a texture. Maybe it was Mike in Colorado, who kind of put me onto this, who said that there's a laissez-faire attitude. And and I think that can stem from council always managing for the next day and the next day and the next day, which is good because you got to keep guys healthy. You got to keep guys fresh. That's a big part of being a baseball manager is kind of being able to schedule and plan in your head to keep guys on on a a workload and on the correct path. Sometimes that can be a weakness as well. So I I guess that's what you're referring to, David. And I, I was a little negative. That was like two weeks ago and that was one day. Uh, even I can get upset with Craig Council here and there, but I still think he's just about bulletproof as a manager. Now the Brewers hitting and why the hitting is a problem. I, I just don't think they have very many good hitters, you know, like, like the meat of their order is Rowdy Tellez and Willie Adamas. I really like Rowdy Tellez. Rowdy Tellez was not good enough to be an everyday player. In Toronto, And the Brewers identified that, well, there's, there's some untapped potential here. Let's go get him and give him some opportunity. Okay, great. But it's not like Rowdy Tellez is so great and such a pure hitter that, that he, you know, like he wasn't an everyday player in Toronto. And kudos to the Brewers for realizing that maybe there was more to tap into, but it's not like Rowdy Tellez came up through the ranks, number one corner infielder, slugger, great hitter. No, the Brewers kind of identified him as a, The way they identify lots of guys. Urias, much of the same. Like he was at third, then they moved him around, I guess. They got Owen Miller playing some third base and Brian Anderson. These aren't all stars. It's not fair to expect the world from replacement level players, and the Brewers sign a handful of them every year and just cross their fingers. Willie Adamas is is not, he's a good player. He hits a lot of home runs. The Tampa Bay Rays traded him for a reason. I don't like trading with teams like the Rays because the Rays know what they're doing. Willie Adamas is better than some shortstops, but he's having a bad year. And he kind of needs to not have a bad year in order for the Brewers offense to be okay. It's a lot of young guys. It's hard to develop young hitters. It's hard to develop Joey Weemer, Bryce Terang, Sal Freelick all at once. And not all of them are going to turn into great hitters. I don't think it's a philosophy issue, I don't think it's a hitting coach issue. I think it's mostly that the Brewers don't have a lot of great hitters, right? They've been piecemealing first and third base for years. Those are the two power positions typically, and the Brewers have had a lot of replacement level guys there. That hurts. Yelich has had bad stretches. Right now, he's not having a bad stretch. But the last couple of years, he had. I don't think it's a philosophy issue. I just don't think they have that many good hitters. And I don't think the way that the Brewers cobble together a roster on the cheap, because they have to, I don't think that's conducive to power-hitting teams. They're not spending money on Freddie Freeman to play first base, or they're not going and getting massive, massive bats, especially at those corner infield spots. Let's take a five-minute break. We'll come back. We can talk a little more Brewers. I want to talk Packers as well. Wisco Sports Show back after this.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
2: Show. My name is Grant Bills, 608-796-2558. Mike from Triple Falls says a lot of other teams are looking for hitters too. Yeah, I might be out on the idea of the Brewers trading for a bat. I know they really need one, but they need so many that simply adding one really isn't going to make that much of a difference. Here is how I would handle the trade deadline. All right, pull up a chair. Grant's going to tell you how the Brewers should handle the trade deadline. Maybe at, maybe, maybe at a bat, if you get a cheap one and it'll improve vibes and it'll, and it'll add some energy, right? Okay, at a bat. But I'm not paying a, a hefty price for a bat. If you can get one that's a good little deal or, or maybe a, a young guy who's going to be a part of the future. Okay, then at a bat. But I'm not paying significant capital, prospects. I'm not giving up much to go get a third baseman or a first baseman, or a DH, because you need too many things, right? It'd be like, hey, I want to make beef Wellington tonight. I want to make beef Wellington for dinner. I'm going to go to the store and only buy beef. Well, no, you also need puff pastry. You need lots of ingredients for that, right? The the brewers are, you can't make beef Wellington by only buying one ingredient. And the brewers, in order to fix this offense, need to get like two corner infielders and a DH. And they just, they, they don't have the budget for that. They don't have time to hit all the stores necessary to buy all the ingredients to make dinner. So don't bother. Make a frozen pizza. Just deal with it. We'll try again tomorrow. We'll try again next week. When when we get a little more money, the the grocery budget goes up a little bit. I I wouldn't even bother with any hitting. I would add a reliever. What I would do is I would call around, you know, hit up your contacts. This is what Matt Arnold gets paid the, the big bucks for. I would try to find a young reliever, a minor league reliever who you think you can get in the pitching lab and turn into something really good. Devin Williams at some point is, is going to need a, a running mate. He's going to need a, a buddy out in the bullpen. Now that's kind of what they did with Yoel Piamps, this offseason. season. They identified a guy. It's like, I think we can, I think we can do something with this. And I, I think they, they are doing something with Yoel Piamps. He got two innings yesterday. For the most part, he's been very good at dealing with inherited runners and pitching in higher leverage situations. He's not there yet. Give it a little more time. I think he could really turn into something nice. The Brewers should look to buy another lottery ticket or two. Relievers who you think can be on the same timeline as Weimer, Terang, Freelick, right? Not for this year. I don't want to go out and and pay high price for a reliever who's having a career year this year. I want to get a reliever. I want to get someone that the Brewers can get in the pitching lab, Find a role in this bullpen with Yoel Piops and Devin Williams, and I want Craig Council to have another tool to shape and to mold. Because in my head, I'm in denial about him possibly not managing the Brewers next year. So I'm just, I'm just, I'm refusing to accept that he might not manage the Brewers next year. In my mind, he's he's going to be here, and I'm going to plan as though he's here. Might be irresponsible, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. So I would look to add a, uh, an upside minor league reliever and. If the Brewers do not look substantially better, if they don't look like they could really make a run, we'll have to see how things go and and what happens with Corbin Burns and what happens with Brandon Woodruff. I would, as nuts as it sounds, I, like, I think teams would call about Wade Miley. I'm not trying to sell off Wade Miley. I, I tweeted this morning at Wisco Grant that honestly, I think we should be talking about the Brewers trading Wade Miley at the deadline not Corbin Burns. I I think if there's a sneaky sell move that the Brewers might try to pull, I think that's the one. Because let's think of this from the perspective of the other 29 teams in Major League Baseball. Need a starter, right? Let's say the Mets or the Braves or the Dodgers or the Padres or whoever need a starter. Need an extra starting pitcher. We need an extra arm. Well, let's go trade for Corbin Burns. Well, Corbin Burns is going to cost a ton and you're going to immediately need to pay him. He's got another year of arbitration. Salary's salary is going to go up. If David Stearns was gentleman, and I think David Stearns sans the hater trade, was an excellent GM and made nothing but really, really good moves in his time at the top with the Brewers. Now he's in an advisory role and it's Matt Arnold, but I, I'm thinking about David Stearns' tenure. Wade Miley is the exact type of acquisition that David Stearns would have made at the deadline. One-year rental little older, got some nice experience, playing really well, not going to immediately need to be paid, not not buying into a long-term contractual commitment. Wade Miley has got to be a super attractive piece. So if the Brewers start to slip a little bit or they're not feeling great, Wade Miley might be the piece of sell. Corbin Burns, I'm not touching that. I'm not trading Corbin Burns. Mid-season, because of what happened with Josh Hader last year and because it would crush the team and it would kill the vibes and it would make the fans bummed, I would look to deal him in the off season when hopefully he's pitched a little bit better in the second half or when other teams have had a chance to forget just exactly how poorly he, he pitched poorly for Burns, right? And I thought we were going to get an elite start from Corbin Burns yesterday. I thought we were going to get one of those good ones. Burns hasn't had a great year, but he's had a few games where he's looked as good as ever, right? April 11th, eight innings pitched, three hits, eight strikeouts, zero earned runs against the Diamondbacks. That was probably his best game of the year. Uh, May 27th, seven innings pitch, four hits, eight strikeouts, one earned run against the Giants. Of course, the Brewers lost that game. Uh, June 7th, eight innings pitch, two hits, nine strikeouts, zero earned runs against the Orioles. Even in his best starts, and I think those are his three best starts, they've been few and far between, first and foremost, but his strikeout totals are down, right? Last year, the year before, when Corbin Burns would really get going, he'd be striking out 10, 11, 12 batters, This year, it's like eight, nine at the most, right? Strikeout totals are down. His best starts are fewer and farther between. And in the rest of the starts, the average start, the middle of the road start for Corbin Burns, it seems like about six innings, three or four runs, two or three walks, three or four strikeouts. Fine. I'd take that from Adrian Hauser. I'd take that from Colin Ray, who's pitching tonight. That's not good enough from Corbin Burns, a player the Brewers are really relying on to deliver them elite pitching and and, and not go out and win them games by himself, but kind of <laughs> like that. Yesterday's game should not have gone to extra innings. It never should have been tied. You give Corbin Burns a 4-1 lead, that game should essentially be over. That game should just about be done. And Corbin Burns came out in the sixth yesterday and, and couldn't find it. And I saw a lot of people complaining about pitch sequencing I'm not educated enough on the actual mechanics of the sport of baseball. I never played. I never coached. So I'm not going to sit here and say, well, the sequencing is the issue. I, I don't really know what the issue is. But on pitch selection, like yesterday, and I was watching with my dad, Levering and Rotino, who was in the booth, they kept mentioning, oh, Corbin Burns lost his curveball. His curveball looked really good for the first five innings. He was dropping it low. Guys were chasing. It was His curveball was great. And then in the sixth inning, he lost his command of the curveball. And he kept throwing the curveball. Like, he walked a couple of guys, was spiking it way in front of home plate. Uh, a guy went from first to third on a wild pitch. Like, it was, it was bad. Because my question, baseball casual here, uh, Corbin, you're best known for having four or five pitches that you can throw. If you can't locate the curveball, how about we simply throw the other pitch? How about we throw the other pitches, Corbin? How about, how about we just not throw the curveball? It's one thing if Freddie Peralta can't command his fastball. It's like, well, we're just kind of boned because Freddie Peralta, his fastball is is a moving fastball. That's his bread and butter. Freddie fastball, right? That's his nickname. Corbin Burns has a cutter. He's got a split finger fastball. He's got a curveball. He's got a changeup. He can throw all these different pitches. That's why Corbin Burns was this big, highly touted prospect when he came up in 2018. It's like. This guy's got all the tools in the toolbox. And yet he seems to like stubbornly use the tool that is working worst when games go sideways. That was the case yesterday in the sixth inning. Like, man, he just can't find his curveball. And me, an idiot who oversimplifies everything, sitting at home saying, why don't we just not throw it? I got my hand up like I'm in class. How about we just how about we throw a fastball, Corbin? Oh, you know, you okay, you want to prove that you can throw a, a curveball? Oh, yeah, spike that one in front of home plate. Yeah, Caratini. Yeah, that's going to the backstop. I don't know about sequencing. I just see a lot of smart baseball people, baseball writers, complaining about Corbin Burns sequencing for what it's worth. Again, I don't even... Ordering pitches, uh, fastball change. I get what sequencing is. I don't know enough to sit here and confidently say that that's the issue. Although sometimes I do watch and I... I wonder a little bit because he does seem to gravitate towards the pitches that aren't working. And I don't know why that is. 608-796-2558. Let's take a three minute break. Come back. We'll wrap up the Brewers discussion because I do want to talk Packers at five o'clock. Now remember the Brewers are going to kick us off at 530. So if you have anything to add, tweets, text calls, get them in now. Wisco Sports Show back in five minutes.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone radio network.
2: Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. We're going to talk Packers at 5 o'clock. I a tweet here. popped up on my timeline. uh, From friend of show back in the day, Joe Zenzola, Radio Joe. He tweeted, unless there's something significant that breaks, can we just lay off all Packers talk on sports radio until training camp? Once camp starts... Have at it. In the meantime, stop recycling the same how-good-is-love-going-to-be talk. It's funny because I said something back when the show started at 4 o'clock. I said, we're going to talk Brewers tonight. There is one Packers thing I want to discuss. Maybe this is a weakness of mine as a content creator and as a broadcaster. I have really struggled to come up with Packers topics the last couple of weeks. Like with the Brewers today, we're talking about the trade deadline, and I actually weirdly think that Wade Miley could be an attractive piece for a team that's looking to buy. I'm viewing it from the other perspective. I'm viewing it from the perspective of the other 29 teams. Like, if I was calling the Brewers, who would I be interested in? And as we talked about with Lawyer Dave, like there ain't no bats on this team that I'd be interested in. At least not ones that would be available. There's not really any relievers that would be available although if I needed a closer I'd call about Devin Williams because who knows they traded away Josh Hader last year maybe I'd I'd try to see if they could you know the Brewers would make the same mistake twice really the the piece that jumps out to me is Wade Miley because I don't think the Brewers will trade Burns in the middle of the season not after what happened last year with Hader but Wade Miley is one-year guy doesn't make that much money playing really well. He's got experience pitching in, in big moments and in playoff games. And there's no commitment past this year. And that might be really appealing to other teams. So I was thinking this morning, like, man, I, I wonder if anybody will call about Wade Miley. Very interested. Now, if the Brewers are buying, I think they should buy young relievers, lottery tickets, in, in hopes of finding another elite guy to go with Devin Williams for the next couple of years. Because I don't know. Look, I don't think the Brewers are going anywhere this year. You might be able to make the playoffs, but I think there's a big difference, and we've seen there's a big difference between making the playoffs in the first round and going all the way. I don't think the brewers should actively make themselves worse because of that. I just don't know if they should really try that hard at it making themselves better. Like I said, if I was making uh if I was making prime rib and, and shrimp, if I was making surf and turf for dinner, I would have to go to the store, get lots of ingredients. The brewers need lots of ingredients to fix their team. It's not like they can just go to the store and buy one thing. That's not really going to move the needle much. So we've been talking about Brewers trade deadline, what they may or may not do. We've been talking about Wade Miley. Like I said, we've been talking about Corbin Burns. I have no problem talking Brewers right now. I'm really enjoying talking Brewers, especially because they won yesterday. Vibes might be a little bit different if, if they would have lost yesterday in extra innings in Cleveland. I am struggling to come up with Packers topics. They're not, they're not coming to me easily. I really had to work hard. And I remember Tony in Texas calling in, this might have been two or three weeks ago, and said, yeah, this Packers team is boring. This is going to be a boring Packers team. I said, "Mm, I don't think this is a boring Packers team. I think this is a boring offseason. In that for the first time in three or four years, we don't have any quarterback drama. We don't have a darkness retreat or ayahuasca in the jungle or Joe Rogan or Aubrey Marcus or... Rodgers coming back to training camp, being upset about it's about the people. You know, this front office needs to treat veterans better. Damn it, why'd you trade Jake Kumaro? right? they've been story after story after story the last couple of years. And now we're experiencing a normal offseason. You know, a normal offseason is supposed to be a little boring. That's not a bad thing. I think when we get to week one, oh my God, this Packers team is going to be so interesting because we'll be able to obviously watch Jordan Love play and talk about that. Koi Walker, Devontae Wyatt, are those guys going to be elite? Because two first-round picks last year, that, that's what's left from Devontae Adams. Those guys need to be good. What about Lucas Van Ness? Some young weapons, who I want to talk about after our 5 o'clock break and after our sports update from Zach Kyle, but I want to talk about Jaden Reed and Luke Musgrave. I think that's very exciting. We, of course, can put the feet to Joe Barry's fire. Or put our, put our feet to Joe. I said that backwards. Put our feet all over Joe Barry. Big foot. He comes from a similar coaching style of Rex Ryan, so he's, he's big into feet. Uh, he likes feet. No, put the fire to Joe Barry's feet, and we can talk about whether or not he should be relieved of his duty. We've been talking about that just about every week for the last couple of years. No, we will not be putting our feet on Joe Barry. No thanks. <laughs> but I think when the season rolls around, to, to kind of summarize what I've been rambling about, I think this Packers team is going to be really interesting. They're not right now. And I just, I, I just, I, I, I can't force Packers topics. Now, a couple months ago, when Ben Kenny and I were filling in for the big unit, it's like, hey, who's under more pressure this year? Matt LaFleur, Jordan Love, Joe Barry, but break it down, talk, 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 talk. I mean, yeah, we're getting to the point where it's been a couple of months and there's just not much to say. We're in a holding pattern. We're in wait and see mode about what's going to happen with Jordan Love once he actually starts playing football. Colin Cowherd did a segment today, and I saw others who retweeted it. And I like Colin Cowherd, but he was talking about how Jordan Love sat on the bench for three years. I never heard anything about him. Nobody ever said, oh, well, this guy's good. Nobody ever sang his praises. Patrick Mahomes sat for one year. The Chiefs could hardly wait to get him in there. Right. So we're already casting judgment and, and, and definitive thoughts on Jordan Love. Let's just, can we see him play one game? And if he stinks, I will be the first to say it but we really can't say anything definitively until he plays. And we can only do the same conversation and song and dance so many times. Like I'm just a little sick of the forced Packers talk, the same talking points every single day. Now, something new that I want to talk about coming up next. Elton Jenkins was on Good Morning Football this morning and made an interesting comment about some of the Packers rookies. So I do want to talk about that. We can keep talking about the Brewers as well. Give me a call. Give me a text. 608-796-2558 608-796-2558 if you want to join the show. We're not moving off of the Brewers completely. I just want to work in some Packers talking points. Remember, Brewers Mets tonight at six ten. so the Brewers pregame is going to start at 5-35. So we have a half hour less. we got to get in all our talk within the next half hour. Get an update from Zach Heilprin, Wisco Sports Show, hour number two, coming up in two minutes.
0: Up onto the warning track, Kwan can't get it it's off the top of the fence. Weimer's going to come in and score. Miller slides in safely, and the Brewers have the lead.
1: This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports: Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air now. Here's your host, Grant Bills.
2: I said we we're going to talk Packers, and we are in a sack. I just want to complain about something if I may, <laughs> real quickly. So, I think NBA Free Agency starts this week? Next week? It starts very soon, right? We're ramping up, and we're starting to hear little tidbits about this player maybe going here, and, and this player being unhappy, and this and that, and the other thing. So, Damian Lillard plays for the Portland Trailblazers, right? And every year, for, like, the last five years, NBA media and sports fans have just assumed, well, Damian, Damian Lillard, he'll ask for a trade, right? He, he'll want to play for a contender, and he has it. And for the most part, the team has been irrelevant. They got a nice break one year with the bracket, and they made an Eastern Conference Finals or Western Conference Finals where they got smoked by the Warriors. But that was about it. And for years, Damian Lillard has seemed content to just kind of play in Portland, be the guy in Portland, He likes it there. He likes the city, likes the team, likes the town, right? All these things. And yet every year, people are like, oh, this is the year he asks out. And it never is. Chris Haynes reported three hours ago. Portland Trailblazers star Damian Lillard and his agent, Aaron Goodwin, are meeting with the team today to discuss the franchise's direction, league sources tell NBA on TNT and Bleacher Report. So Chris Haynes basically is like, they're meeting today. They're going to talk about the franchise's direction. Man, I can tell you the direction of the franchise. Shaden Sharp is young. They just drafted Scoot Henderson. I, I can tell you the, the franchise's direction. I'm very annoyed by this. Damian Lillard either needs to ask out or or don't, right? now, And I don't entirely blame Damian Lillard because Damian Lillard has been happy, been content in Portland to, to play there and to, and to be the guy for that team and for that franchise, which I love, even if he's not winning. I think that's cool. And I think that's a cool spot for him to be. Portland seems cool. I don't know. By the ocean, I wouldn't mind living in Portland. Seems like a nice place. You know, make joke about political thing here. Go ahead. Go ahead. But I'm not annoyed with Damian Lillard. I'm more annoyed with NBA people who need to make this a thing every year. Every single year. God, it's annoying. And now everyone wants to, you know, wish cast him to the Miami Heat. I'm just I'm over the Damian Lillard stuff. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. We got the Brewers coming up at 610, which means the Brewers pregame starts at 535. Doing math in my head. Yep, so we have a half hour. Uh, We're about 20 minutes short tonight's show, but that's okay. I think we can fit everything in that we need to fit in. 608-796-2558. Duck and Holman says free agency starts Friday. Well, there you go. Thank you, Duck. I appreciate that. You could have made that up, but I'm going to. I'm going to believe you. Again, that's my rule of thumb on the show. If someone texts or tweets in an answer to one of my questions, I'm not going to fact check it. I'm just going to blindly believe it. I said we'd talk Packers. And I want to talk Packers because I got into work today, and I opened up Twitter, and I'm seeing Elton Jenkins quotes, you know, articles at NFL.com and tweets at Dairyland Express and Packers Wire, which is, you know, Zach Cruz's thing. And I'm like, what the? The heck? You're telling me your Sean Gary spoke to the media today? I got all confused. Why haven't I heard from Mike Clemens? I always I always get updates. Mike's got us in the loop. I said, is Mike dead? Is he on vacation? What's going on? What is this? And I investigated. I looked into it. Elton Jenkins was on Good Morning Football this morning. Uh, which even if I would have known about, I couldn't have watched because my cable package doesn't include NFL Network. I was like, no bother. I bet it's on YouTube. And even if the actual NFL network, even if the actual good morning football youtube account didn't post it someone bootlegged it i will find this audio from elton jenkins speaking with the hosts on good morning football and i guess Kay adams isn't there anymore i saw tom pellicero and uh sarah walsh who i best know for uh ryan Rossillo buying her clothes when she worked at espn which is something they joke about when they do podcasts together i personally think it's kind of weird but i guess that was that was their thing Who hasn't bought a female co-worker uh, A nice Lululemon sweater I mean we've all been there Right Anyways uh, anyway, Moving on So I opened YouTube To find the clip Of Good Morning Football And immediately got distracted Because my homepage on YouTube Showed me a 10 minute video From CBS News About David Pogue uh, On the Ocean Gate sub It was all this footage From when he was there last summer And all this audio I'm like well Naturally I'm going to watch this uh, so I started the video. I got about 60 seconds into this 10 minute video before realizing, uh, uh-uh, I'm not going to watch this without eating my lunch. So I'm going to go microwave my lunch. So that, you know, took a couple minutes, brought my food back, watched it, paused it because I texted my girlfriend to tell her that David Pogue sounds just like her dad is actually uncanny. So I paused the video again. I Googled David Pogue's birthplace because I, I think I have a really good ear for dialects. And accents, I think I can pick it out. So I was like, oh, I bet they're from the same place. Not even close. One's from Ohio. The other one's from California. So dead end there. Anyways, played the video, got to the end. About 45 minutes later, this turned into a whole thing. About 45 minutes later, I listened to the Elton Jenkins interview. And I saved a couple of cuts. This one was the most interesting one to me. He was asked about the young players, the rookies. Lucas Van Ness, Luke Musgrave, Jaden Reed. What has stood out to you, Elton Jenkins, Packers offensive lineman, so far about the Packers twenty twenty three rookie class. Man,
1: I was looking at Luke Musgrave and Jaden Reed a lot, you know, our our weapons. Um man, they got some serious speed. Um, Jaden and Luke. Just being able to see them out there, you know, running and getting vertical up the field, running routes and stuff like that, man. It, it really put a smile on my face. I'm ready to see what what's in store for those guys. I feel like the future is bright for those guys. Um, also, Krauth. Um I feel like our, our rookies did come in. They came in working the next effort, but Luke Musgrave and Jaden Reed. I got a lot of high expectations for those guys in year one for sure. So,
2: I, I heard this. And I, I get very upset about I get very upset. I got very upset last year watching Christian Watson. And it's a good upset. Don't get me wrong. But I, I just hope that something clicked in the Packers front office last year. I hope they realize that when you invest a premium pick, first, second, third round, in a premium player on offense with premium treats, tra- treats, traits is what I meant to say, those players can just create plays where those plays wouldn't otherwise exist. I love last year Packers fans and Packers people just beside themselves at what Christian Watson could do with a simple crossing route. It's like, uh-huh, interesting what is possible when you draft a wide receiver in the first or the second round. Someone with elite traits, someone with first, second round traits, speed, size. Like wow, the, the play against the Eagles is the perfect example, right? Christian Watson caught a simple, shallow crosser. That's it. He was only, what, five, six, seven, eight yards down the field? But because he's not Alan Lazard, he was perfectly capable of taking that ball and running after the catch. He took it all the way to the end zone because he's so fast, and you can only get speed like that with premium draft picks. And before Christian Watson, like, who was the last Packer who could do that? I remember Jordy most for that, who would catch the ball in stride and then just go. He was sneaky fast, that Jordy, that deceptively quick. <laughs> Devonte Adams was never that guy. He was elusive. He was very good at changing direction and taking the most efficient route to get from point A to point B. He didn't have that unbelievable speed Christian Watson had, Jordy Nelson had, to just be able to take a simple, shallow crosser, easy to protect, easy to execute, and then turning it into something big. And now Elton Jenkins is like, holy smokes, it turns out when you get guys that are faster than Al Lazard, some fun things can happen on offense. Yeah, no kidding. You're playing a converted tight end who is on the Jacksonville Jaguars practice squad as your wide receiver one. Not a lot of upside there. Eric on I-90s here, 608-796-2558. What's going on, Eric?
3: How you doing, Grant? How was your weekend?
2: It was great. Got to see some friends, danced my uh, my behind off at a wedding. Um, Eric, what, what do you think of dress code at a wedding? Because I, I was underwhelmed by some folks. I don't want to put anyone on blast, but... Cargo shorts and, and Sperry's and boat shoes at a wedding. Let's let's just be a little better, I guess. I don't know. Let's tuck the shirt in. You know, everybody's just
3: getting a little too casual, I think. Just a little too casual.
2: It started during the pandemic. I would like to get back to dressing nicely. Let's come on. We're celebrating a loved one, a friend. One of the biggest days of their life. Can you button your shirt up? Or can you like can you wear a belt? I don't know. That's what I right, remember about the wedding. Right, I think, I think you're 100 percent right on that, Grant. <laughs> Let's start to shape up out there Thank a little you. bit. Thank you. And maybe it's because I never dress up. Like I, I'm here in shorts and a T-shirt at work because I work in radio and I never see anybody. Right. But so I enjoy getting dressed up. The the ones in a blue moon I get to do it. But I don't know if someone shows up to my wedding, Eric. If you show up to my wedding in cargo shorts and a, and a wrinkled polo, I'm just gonna I'm gonna tell you to leave. I'm gonna tell you to go change clothes.
3: Well, Grant, if I ever get invited to your wedding, I will show up and I will be dressed up. I want. I will be.
2: <laughs> I want a table. I, I want a table of callers, uh, and and I want on the invite. I don't want it to say Eric last name. I want to say Eric on I ninety, and I'm going to seat you next to other callers. I think it would be good for content. That
3: would be fun. That would be a lot of fun. So I do have. To, I do want to give out a big thank you to uh, everybody who went to the rummage sale. Yeah. I. And uh, we actually had one person there that asked if Eric on I-90 was there, and I I wasn't, of course. Oh. And, uh, but he gave a big donation. So whoever did that uh, is out there listening. Thank you very, very much.
2: Wow! So the sale was a big success. You obviously raised some money. That's pretty cool.
3: Yep, we did. We did. And I was, so everybody's like, standing there and they said some guy come in and says it's Jericho 990
1: here. Wow. And they, they knew who they know who
3: I am and it was it was kinda of funny. Um but I can't <laughs> be in things like that because 'cause I'm a international caller of mystery. Yeah. And I can't let my identity be given out. I suppose you know? Yeah, I respect so that was really cool. Um yeah, you know the content, you know, you got this guy, this jack wagon, who uh you know, who complained about your content. Um, you know, you're one of the fortunate ones, Grant, because you can talk baseball. Mm-hmm. There's very few sports radio people that can talk baseball. So you're very fortunate in that, and so are the listeners. Even though I'm not into baseball, it's still refreshing
2: to hear I was I was going to say, right? Eric, you don't even like baseball. What are you saying?
3: No, you're lucky because it's the only thing. Listen, your content's starved now, aren't you? Right?
2: A little bit, it's, yeah. It's, it's,
3: it's a bad time. It's a bad time of the year. It is,
2: and I, and sometimes during this time of year, you you can have fun. You can talk about random things, and and you're not beholden to talking about certain teams and certain players. So it's it's good and bad. But yeah, it's it's a slow week. There's not a lot going on. So, you know,
3: I'm going to start to think about my fantasy football team now. <laughs> um, I'm going to I'm going to dominate the dojo on this this year. I used to win these things left and right. Really? So I'm gonna get all my research book and then maybe I'll maybe on one of my calls I'll ask you what you think of these players. Okay. Because you know a lot about these players. Lovely. And I'm not just gonna ask about Packers and Vikings. That's the worst thing you can do in fantasy football is pick players off your favorite Ooh. team. It really is.
2: Yeah. Too emotionally
3: it's invested, a bad move, right? Yeah, right. It's a bad move. You got to pick good players off teams you're not following, and that's the fun of it, right? Because every game becomes interesting. That you got you have a you have skin in the game.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I like
3: that. So, so if you will, if you'll, if you'll humor me in that, I'll come up with some names, off <laughs> some teams, and then you can say whether you think. That's a good or bad player to pick up on your fan.
2: I'm Does far it from a... I haven't won a fantasy football league since, I think, 2017. It was the year that Le'Veon Bell was really good down the stretch. So that shows you how long it's been. Although I did get second place in 2020. It was BS. And I made a fool of myself in the group chat of this league. If you'll hear, I'll tell you about it. I mean, we there's not that much going on. Like you said, this is a story. You can tell me if I was out of line. I was invited to be in a league with my roommates at the time. So I I knew the two roommates in the league. I didn't know anyone else. Eric, I dominated this league. I was so far and away the best player in this. It wasn't even close. I was in a class of my own all year long. I stomped through the playoffs. Stomped through the playoffs. But the commissioner of this league set it up to be a 17-week season. So the championship game was week 17. It was the last week of the year. And everyone was resting. So I had Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, DK, half of my team didn't play. And I got angry and I, and I got in the group. It was on the NFL app and I got in the chat and I'm like, you guys, this is a joke. This is an, and I was, I was a sore loser, but I don't think I was in the wrong. I should have won. I should have won the league. I got second place money, which is close to nothing. I should have been more mean in my message that I sent that commissioner. I, I hope that commissioner has never been allowed to commission a league ever again. So what should he have done? He should have ended on week sixteen, then. Or? Yeah, yeah. You got to wrap it up early. And I, look, I've been a commissioner, and, and and sometimes it's on the team owners to to check the rules and make sure everything's great. Because you know, even commissioner of a fantasy football league, you got a job and you got other responsibilities to handle. It's not it's not your full time thing to be the commissioner of the league. But it's just it's just terrible. Right. You got to wrap that up the second to last week before everyone starts getting rested before the playoffs. Terrible.
3: Yeah, I would feel cheated out of that. But, you know, that's kind of the way the old ball bounces, you know. Well,
2: and sometimes fantasy, it you know, teach you life lessons.
3: Right. And you're right about the Packers and how there's no news. Welcome to the party, everybody. This is how it is. <laughs> this is how it is you for You don't other even team. care. <laughs> this is how it is. You don't even care. You don't got some quarterback who's got all kinds of problems. And you guys are going to be a big benefactor of that in this little month of silence that you're getting where you don't have to listen to somebody carry on about how he doesn't like the way players are being treated, doesn't like the fact they do doesn't have all his favorite players playing with him, all that crying and whining. you ain't got none of that to put up with.
2: I think, um, I think you are correct in that the Packers fans have now joined uh, the rest of NFL fandom and that you don't just have a lot to talk about this time of year. Eric, before I let you go, one last thing. Uh, you were a Vikings fan. I see a headline here. Taylor Swift yep. played in Minneapolis two nights at U.S. Bank yep. Stadium. I see a headline at Sports Illustrated. Some Vikings fans irked by claims Taylor Swift's U.S. Bank Stadium concerts were louder. So were Swifties louder than, than Vikings fans this last weekend? Who's to say? It's just the reports I'm reading. I got,
3: I got no idea, but I have heard that, that uh, U.S. Bank Stadium is not a great place for a concert. Really? That's just what I've heard. So, well, well, I just heard that it's that not, it's not conducive to good sound. Well, here's That's the thing. just what I heard. You,
2: you got to compare U.S. Bank Stadium to other stadiums that big. Because no huge stadium that big is going to sound odd. It's too big. You know what I mean? So you got to compare right. U.S. Well, Bank hate- to Soldier Field. And, like, I bet it stacks up really well against other venues of that size. But if you're going to, like, the Sylvie in Madison... Or, or small, those things are made for live music. Obviously, the sound's going to be much better at those smaller places.
3: Right. So, I think outdoor stadiums are better from the sound, too. Because it yeah. doesn't bounce back on you. It passes through you like it's supposed to. And moves on into the outer stratosphere. And with all of that goodness right in it, see? Yeah. That's, that's what's happening in an outdoor theater. It's like, passing through
2: you. And it's better to be out under the sky. I like the fresh air. Like, if you see Buffett or Dave Matthews or, like, other – you should be outside. Right. I'm with you, Eric. Well, I, I'm i keeping you, Eric. I'm, I've kept you too long. You have things to do. You, you get out of here. We'll talk soon. Yeah, we'll talk to you later, bud. Eric on I-90. Sorry, I just had a lot to discuss Eric. By the way, I'm looking at the Star Tribune because I, I, I Googled Taylor Swift Minneapolis. And one headline from Sports Illustrated said some Vikings fans irked by claims Taylor Swift's U.S. Bank Stadium concerts were louder. Which, by the way, if I was a jaded old head of a sports broadcaster, I would read this headline and go, well, that's just what you'd come to expect from Sports Illustrated. They got a bunch of TikTokers and, and content creators running that thing now. Sports journalism barely still lives at Sports Illustrated. But I'm not an old head, so I won't say that. Uh, here's a headline from the Star Tribune. Yes, Taylor Swift shimmered in Minneapolis. You were even better, Swifties. Pretty self-congratulatory there, Twin Cities. Uh, that's a ballsy article to write. Uh, Taylor Swift is good, but I'd say we did even better as a as a city and as a fan base. Okay, well, I guess write what you want. It's your newspaper. Six zero eight seven nine six two five five eight. Twitter: Wisco Grant. We'll come back. I got to take one final break because the Brewers are going to kick us off at five thirty-five. We'll wrap up the Wisco Sport Show coming up next.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
2: Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Got about 10 minutes left of the show. Nine, 10 minutes. Bruce pregame is going to kick us off at 535. So I want to get in as many callers before the end of the show. Uh, Schmidt in St. Paul. Schmidt in Minneapolis. He gets mad when I get him confused. St. Paul Schmidt. I was right. uh, Put in a tweet to somebody he knows that was in this fantasy league. I got very aggressive. I got boned out of the first place because the commissioner, he didn't do his job. The commissioner did not do his job. And he made the league go into the final week of the season. And my team was so good because I drafted guys on contending teams. So last week I get slaughtered because all my guys were resting. That was in 2020. I'm still mad about it. Tony's in Texas, 608 796
0: 2558. What's up, Tony? Hey, Grant. Well, I'm going to a Texas Ranger game with a beautiful woman right now, having a (laughs) a few drinks. You hear her laughing in the background? Yeah, I hear But I I I decided to call your show because you're my guy, Grant. And, you know, I don't like the way you were talking to me today about that John Collins trade. Okay. The buck got to get in on that trade, my man. Come on. John Collins is a stud. So you
2: tweeted after John Collins was traded. You tweeted right. the – what did you tweet? The Bucks need to find a way to make that move. John Horse needs to yeah. figure it out. That's I don't not, give an ass about the cap. Make it happen. Okay. Well, that – but that's not how life works. Like, I would love to go buy a $600,000 home. The down payment? I don't know.
0: Figure it out. That's not that's not possible. Yeah, you don't – you do what you got to do. You take out – you know, get some credit, extend yourself out. I don't care. That's the kind of guy they need, man. They John need a guy like Phillips. that. He needs some depth. I'm I know I'm, I'm talking out of like, like uh, fantasy basketball or whatever, but they've got to do something else. They got to upgrade this roster. They got to do something. They, they're falling behind, Grant. I don't want to see the Bucks fall behind. They can't waste Giannis's prime. This is it, right now, my man. This is it.
2: I just, I, I, I just, you, you, I get what you're saying. It's impossible, though. Like, they can't absorb all that money. Well, the, 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 it was a yes, salary dump—they just That's a massive contract. Basically, Atlanta gave him a way to get off the money. They got what right. Rudy like gave them.
0: Like Bradley yeah. So, are we wasting Corbin Burns or are we wasting Giannis? Because Corbin Burns, to me... I don't know. You know, I don't like the phrase mental midget, but what's up with Corbin Burns? Everyone wants to make
2: this about arbitration. I don't think it's connected to arbitration at all. I just think hitters have made some adjustments, and now Corbin Burns has got to
0: adjust to those adjustments. Well, Corbin's got to get it together if he wants to get a good contract. He will anyways, but I was... uh, Listening to our friend Bart Winkler's show, and, and the Mets, with their huge payroll, mm-hmm. are like what eight or nine games under five hundred. So that does make me happy. I like I like to see our, our little Milwaukee Brewers and uh, making a run for it while these big market teams struggle. Well, now there's so,
2: there's buzz. They think they're going to get Craig Council next year. Mets fans do,
0: and they're probably in. Yeah, I can see that. Money talks, right? Yeah.
2: If Craig Council did that, I would be really
0: bummed. You love Craig. I you would marry Craig It's five months. You well, love Craig. And don't get me wrong. You if, love if,
2: Council. If Craig Council went to the Mets and, and made millions and millions of dollars to support his wife and his family, I mean, I'd be happy for him. But come on, he's not going without. He's living up in White Folks Bay, Whitefish Bay, and, and he's making good money. Oh, you can whoa, keep him whoa, here whoa. in town.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. Hey, Grant, we didn't get to my top five announcers, number two and one. I'm going to give you number two right now for Wisconsin-based announcers. Let's do it. I know you're up against it. Okay, your Green Bay Packer play-by-play guy, Wayne Larrabee. Anyone with a catchphrase, that is like that is your dagger? Hey, that, that, that's good. That's awesome. Wayne's been there through the Rodgers era, saw the end of the Favre era. Wayne Larrabee, we talked about Jim Irwin, who I was a huge fan of, Jim Irwin, Wayne Larrabee takes the cake. Dude's a professional. He's got to deal with Larry McCarron, talking over him. Uh, Larrabee's done the Big that Ten true. Network. He's he done does talk over him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, Wayne Larrabee, you're on a drive up north. Give me Larrabee all day, baby. That guy that guy is a hell of an announcer. Wayne Larrabee's number two.
2: He is really good. And he does have to push through his ho- – not his home run calls, his touchdown calls with – Larry just yelling in the background, which is funny, but that that can't make it easy on the play-by-play guy.
0: No, not at all. You got to keep focused. And how many times have you heard Larry's announcing a touchdown, a big Rodgers touchdown, on like an NFL network or just a, a national broadcast? Larry's so good. Number two. Let's let's rehash the top five right now because it's been a couple of days. Grant, yeah, Lisa Byington, to number five. Number four, uh, Matt LePay? We go with Matt LePay, number yeah. number four. Yep,
2: yep, yep.
0: And, and number three, we went with oh no, we went number four. Brian Anderson number three, Matt LePay. number two, Wayne Larabee, and number one's a goodie but an oldie. I don't think he's lost much, but we'll get to that tomorrow. Grant, have a great night. Go Rangers. Go Brewers. Let's let's go. I uh, I'm not gonna lie and have an
2: awesome night, Tony. I appreciate you. When you said Rangers, I don't know why, but in my head, I thought hockey originally. And uh, as you're wrapping up, and you said, let's go Rangers, I was like, Tony, isn't hockey season? Oh, yeah, Texas Rangers, baseball, New York Rangers, hockey. Rangers, hockey came to mind first. I'm being dragged on Twitter by St. Paul Schmidt and Billy in Minneapolis, who was in this fantasy league with me. I tweeted, that was horse manure. I won that league going away. And downtown Billy says, I don't agree with the structure either, but it was well stated upon the draft. Buffoon. I don't remember. What did he do? Give a press conference? Did the commissioner give a press conference? Hey, guys, uh, just so you know, I want to be very clear up front. Uh, I'm going to do a poor job as commissioner and let this regular season go through week 17. That way, we're going to let weeks and weeks and weeks of buildup and great management of teams come down to which head coach pulls their guy in the second half or sits them completely. Really good. Really, really good. And I, and I don't regret anything about how I handled that situation. I wish I would have been more mad. Some texts to get to here before the end of the show. Mike from Chippewa Falls says, I love Craig. So what? I love Craig, too. I want to be friends with Craig. Duck and Holman says, I went to that sale to buy Eric Speakers, and they were gone by Saturday, so I donated anyways. Did you go, Duck? Appreciate that. That's a cool story. And that's something I'm going to have to share with our... Uh, our media contingent i'm meeting with the local media for our monday media availability uh and i'll I'll actually do that early seeing the show wraps up here in a couple minutes i'll i'll take off and i'll speak with the media right after the show so i want to hear more about uh eric's sale i'll pass that along rockin rick says new churches with bands are popular ministers wear jeans loafers and tight no collar short sleeve shirts I look, I'm not again. Preachers can wear what they want, but if we're doing a wedding, whether it's in church or whether it's outside, put some dress clothes on, isn't it? A preacher, I mean, Jesus wore sandals, Rock and Rick. We must remember. Not every wedding is religious. Uh, downtown Billy is called in, who is in this fantasy league. Billy, I'm right. You know, I'm right. Now, you can push back and, and say that I acted immaturely, and maybe I did, but I, I was right.
3: Grant, you are right. The structure is messed up. That being said, I reminded you upon draft night where it was stated to the whole league the structure of the playoffs and i reminded you to draft accordingly and you refused and what happened you blew it that's not something that's not something you you draft accordingly
2: for you can't
3: draft that's not something you can strategize for it is something you can strategize for grant you pick the teams who are going to be gunning for the playoffs in those those late weeks that's terrible that's, I'm just defending. I'm defending. I'm defending the true league, man. That's all I'm doing. Well, and look, it's not. It's not my fault. It's not the league's fault. It's your fault. You're short-sighted. It's and okay. I, just accept that.
2: Was I? Was I? What did I say in the group chat? Do you remember?
3: Uh, I couldn't say it on air. Was it? Uh, you'd have to take me off the phone. Well, maybe we can talk. There about it. There were expletives. Later. Well, yeah,
2: because it was. It was stupid. And I, it didn't, like, I didn't know the commissioner. I don't blame you. I, I should, here here was my problem. I should have respected the, the position of commissioner. Even if I didn't agree with his choice, the society is run by rules and, and we act a certain way out of respect for each other. It's like the president of the United States. You don't have to agree with their policy, but you should respect the office. I should respect the office of the commissioner on that day. I didn't. And I feel bad.
3: Now you're coming around. I think you uh, I think you owe the commissioner an apology. I will let him know, and he'll be uh, waiting for your call. Can
2: you – well, I don't want to do it, but can you – do you still – I don't even remember who the commissioner was. It, it wasn't my friend group. It was yours. Can you pass along an apology yeah, on my behalf?
3: Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, give you his number, and you can you can give him a call. And probably. There's value in phone calls,
2: Grant. All right, as we you speak on the phone that. right now, I, I know. I'm going to get kicked off the air in about 45 seconds, so I'll let you go, Billy. Thanks for calling. Sounds good. Love you, man. Love you. Downtown Billy. Fantasy football, uh, not an ally, enemy. God, I laid waste to that league. God, that team was so good. And what? I got pennies on the dollar for second place money. This world's not fair. Speaking of the world not being fair, the Mets with their bajillion dollar payroll squaring off with the Brewers in about 35 minutes. Enjoy the game. We will talk tomorrow starting at 4. I look forward to it.